And tonight, hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts. And they brought some guts and some heart, and they never quit. Coming off a phenomenally exciting weekend with some just fabulous finishes last week. Let's head into week number four. That is sure to duplicate for us. How you doing, everybody? Great to have you along. This is the show of great renown on the college football side. Strong as steel with our top uh, prognosticator and, uh, of course, uh, evaluator of college football in the business, Phil Steele. I'm Michael Regai, our producer, Jim Nabosna. For the next hour, we're going to take you uh, all across uh, the FBS, all 130 squads, if you like, and with your opportunity to interact with us. We do this at 12 o'clock Eastern each and every Wednesday, and we know that you're ready to go. 646-668-2248. I'll repeat it, 646-668-2248. That's the number to get involved with. We'll get involved with Twitter. I'll tell you how you can do that coming up. But first, I've got to welcome in uh, the man who is absolutely going about, uh, I don't know, uh, 30 hours a day because uh, that's the way he rolls. Uh, one of our uh, one of our hosts here, of course, uh, Mr. Phil Steele. Phil, how you doing today? Great to have you, as always. Well, thank you, Michael. Uh, a little hectic, but uh, doing fine. We're going to talk college football, so that makes everything better. Absolutely. Take a deep breath. We're on go. Uh, on Twitter, you can get a hold of us, uh, at PhilSteele042. That's S-T-E-E-L-E, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I, and uh, at Jim Nabosna, our producer. Let's get rolling, Phil. Uh, just, as we said, some just phenomenal finishes last week. Uh, games that were very riveting and impactful on, uh, of course, the uh, the hierarchy, top 25 around college football. Let's start in the SEC this week. Can't wait to get your thoughts on, uh, let's, yeah, uh, Bulldogs, right? It's it's all about the Bulldogs in Athens, Georgia, as the uh, the Bulldogs of head coach Dan Mullen, Mississippi State, 3-0 now. They go into between the hedges to see Georgia. Phil Nick Fitzgerald has been terrific, seven touchdown passes. He had a couple of running TDs. Phil, that beatdown of LSU had everybody talking, 37-7. I saw this week that Jacob Eason was throwing the football at practice in Athens, Georgia. Now, head coach Kirby Smart, he's not going to give any timetable on Eason or even if. He's going to take over for starter Jake Fromm. Fromm has been terrific. Five TD passes, 449 yards. Phil, this one is is going to be captivating. How do you see it and, and the job that Dan Mullen's doing with his Bulldogs of Mississippi State going on the road here? Yeah, Mullen's doing an incredible job, actually. In fact, uh, you know, when I talk to the head coaches, uh, almost every head coach is in unison the fact that it takes – two years for JUCOs to really get up to speed. And uh, Mississippi State, we had a big JUCO infusion this year on defense, and they're doing extremely well. Now, 
The rush D, I think, can be beat. I thought LSU probably should have ran the ball a little bit more last week. They averaged 4.6 yards per carry, but for some reason opted to throw it as many times as they passed it and struggled in that department. I think you'll see Georgia go ahead and run the football this week against uh, Mississippi State. And even if, for some reason, Jacob Eason came back healthy this week, Jake Fromm would get the start. I think he'll be the starting quarterback as long as Georgia keeps winning. So I do like that matchup. I think Georgia will be able to run the football on Mississippi State, which is putting up some great numbers this year. In fact, they're holding the opponents to 172 yards below their season average. But Nick Fitzgerald, do you think that uh, you know the defense coordinators would catch up to him? They have not. Just mm-hmm. continues to be productive. And finally, he's got somebody to help him out on offense. Remember last year, Fitzgerald led the team in rushing, almost double the yards, the number two guys. But Aris Williams now, 336 yards rushing, seven yards per carry. That's been a big help for them offensively. I think these two teams, very close. In fact, if you go on Phil Steele Plus and look up my average game grades, uh, Mississippi State's playing to a level of 108.8 right now, the fifth best in the country. And uh, I think that they're going to give Georgia everything they want in this game. I, I think this is one of those field goal games, Michael, comes right down to it. Yeah, the Bulldogs will win it by three, I'll say that. But uh, I'm going to lean with the home team to come out with the win. But I think Mississippi State has a, a possible upset here. Okay, the home team Bulldogs, though. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm, uh, yeah, the home team Bulldogs. All right. I'm with you here because Dan Fitzgerald, phenomenal. I, I, I think, or excuse me, a Nick Fitzgerald for Dan Mullen. Just phenomenal in uh, the way he's played. And I remember you and I were during the preview session uh, of Strongest Stillman. We talked a lot about Nick Fitzgerald and don't sleep on this young man. And he's off to a terrific start. So that's one to uh, certainly hone your attention on as uh, the Battle of the Bulldogs, two top 25, 17 Mississippi State, and number 11 Georgia. You can, you know, but, that's what we love. You guys oh, are, go ahead. go ahead, Phil. Oh, I was going to say, before we get to the uh, the next topic, I would like to have you break down that Toledo-Tulsa game that you called last week, because that was one of the most strong wow. games of the weekend. Yeah, you know what, Phil, I, you know, we, we build it as the top, um, group of five game on the board and uh you know thankfully head coaches jason candle and philip montgomery uh toledo and tulsa respectively they agreed with us because phil 1279 yards of total low 105 points dazzling performances logan woodside toledo's quarterback fired six touchdown passes Cody Thompson, uh, the the wide receiver that you and I for Toledo, that you and I have talked about uh, in in such volume, averaged 20 yards catch last year, just a touchdown machine, three more TDs for him. And then on the Tulsa side, you know, they ran for 452 yards, Phil, and Phil D'Angelo Brewer, I know you. He is the real thing, man. I, you know, he's uh, there's Kareem Hunt in Kansas City now, right? Who had uh, turned the glass bowl uh, inside out with his performances the last four years as a Toledo Rocket, and I think D'Angelo Brewer's got a shot to be exactly the same type of back. Uh, it captivating football game. If you loved offense, that was a spot. And uh, and well, Phil, since we're talking about that, since we're talking about Toledo. How about the assignment this week as the Rockets head down to South Florida and uh, go see the uh, the Miami Hurricanes? Now, 
So Miami hasn't played in, in in three weeks, right? So they've only got one football game under their belt. Here's Toledo at 3-0. and We just mentioned this high-flying. Uh, guys, please keep an eye on Logan Woodside. He's the quarterback for Toledo. You're going to keep hearing more and more about him. It was a classic last week. Phil, I heard this week Miami D coordinator Manny Diaz glowing uh, about Jason Campbell and the quarterback Logan Woodside in the offense. So I don't know if he's setting a big bear trap. But yeah. still, without playing in three weeks, are, are the Canes going to be able – can Malik Rozier, the quarterback for Miami, Mark Walton, that, that fine running back, I mean, uh, what do we expect from them this week? Is uh, the first time we've seen them since September 2nd in game action. You know, you, it's funny you say that about Diaz because I'm on the bike this morning watching the Sports Center, and they had a Nick Saban press conference, and he said, uh, "Yeah, I think Vanderbilt should definitely be ranked in the top 25 right now." I'm like, "Have you ever heard a coach not build up your opponent prior to the game?" Uh, so that's <laughs> it's something that uh, all the coaches do. Some of the best of them, of course, Lou Holtz, always made it look like uh, he had the uh, the midgets against Goliath every single week, no matter who he was playing. But let's let's focus on this game now. I'll tell you this. I was disappointed with Miami of Florida's defense in the opening game of the season. They took on Bethune-Cookman. I'm expecting this defense to be dominant. They gave up 350 yards. Now, that'll happen. When you play an FCS post sometimes, it's tough to get the kids up for the game. And, you know, uh, so they struggled a little bit more than I thought they would against Bethune. But I love this Miami of Florida defense. They, they may be a little bit out of sync, having missed the last two weeks, which hurts. But they get this one uh, at home for this, uh, and I think they'll be fired up. And uh, I like what they got on offense. I think Malik Rozier needs to get rolling before they play Florida State next week. So I think he'll get some stats going in there. And while Toledo has been very impressive offensively, we're talking 553 yards per game, only 21 yards above what their opponents average. So they have taken on some defenses that give up the points. This defense this week will be a completely different animal that they take on in Miami of Florida. I don't think you're going to see Toledo getting 550 yards and 46 points here. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be Toledo's got some advantages in the fact they've got three games under their belt to one. But at bottom line, I just think Miami is the stronger team at home, and uh, they get this one done by over a couple of touchdowns. Mm, okay, double-digit win, Phil thinks, uh, for uh, the Miami Hurricanes. Keep an eye on it, though, and remember, Logan Woodside, watch for him, see what he can do against this uh, uh, Manny Diaz defense. Strongest Steel, we're doing it for you. We love doing it for you. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabazna. Uh, 646-668-2248. So many of you continue to uh, join us on the show each and every week. That's how we love it here. Blog Talk Radio, uh, iTunes, uh, both opportunities for you to join in. Again, 646-668-2248. Doesn't have to be the power five. You know how Phil and I roll. If you uh, you want to get in the group of five, any of the 130 FBS squads, we're here for you. Phil, with that in mind too, you know we um, let, let's get back to the SEC because we you know we we opened the show by discussing Mississippi State and Georgia, and you mentioned uh, Nick Saban and Alabama. So now this week, got to go to uh, Nashville and. See those uh, Virginia, or excuse me, those Vanderbilt Commodores. Now the Tide last couple of weeks, Phil, they beat Fresno State, they beat Colorado State, and Tuscaloosa. Now they're going to Nashville, where the Commodores quarterback uh, Kyle Shermer and a very stingy Vanderbilt defense just stifled Kansas State last week, Phil. Fourteen-seven win. Uh, you know how we both feel about uh, 
head coach Bill Snyder and his football team. Now, I, listen, I, I noticed Jalen Hurts leads the tide in rushing to the first three football games. Not not Damian Woody, not Damian Henry, not Bo Scarborough, but the quarterback Jalen Hurts, 312 yards and three TDs. Uh, Phil, is this is this a problem area for Alabama having Hurts have to run so much that they need to get that run game in gear? And Ken Vanderbilt's stingy D that I mentioned, that shackled Kansas State. Can they do that on back-to-back weeks against a team like Alabama? You know, I'm glad you pointed that out because, really, if you're Bama and you're taking on teams like Fresno State and Colorado State, I would work. Everybody knows Jalen Hurts can run the football. I would work on Jalen Hurts being a pocket passer and establishing the straight run game without the QB, then use Hurts when you need him. So very surprised. Uh, but the thing is, Hurts is not getting an abundance of carries here. He's only got 36 carries in the three games. Uh, he's just averaging 8.7 yards per carry. You know, he's a he's a tough guy to stop. But uh, you know, Vandy's got a very Vandy's got a good defense. But last week, Kansas State ran the ball for 201 yards on him, 5.7 yards per carry, and a lot of that was the quarterback run. So I think you're going to see more of that formula happen here. You will see Hertz running on this defense, which has played outstanding this year. They're holding opponents to 155 yards per game below their season average. But this is an Alabama offense that. Uh, they have a large edge there. You look at Vandy's offense, they struggled against K-State. They did get two touchdowns, but only 11 first downs on the season. They're only averaging three yards per carry. I don't think Kyle Shermer's arm is going to beat Vanderbilt's de- or Alabama's defense. And I think last week's win by Vanderbilt uh, will actually hurt them this week because if I'm, Al- if I'm Nick Saban, I have no trouble getting my team motivated. They just beat Kansas State, a ranked team at home last week. Vandy's actually won, I believe, seven in a row as a home dog. So there's a lot of possibilities here for Vanderbilt, but I just think we're going to see that Alabama team that trotted out in the opener against Florida State, which is also one of the best teams in the country. And we'll come close to seeing Alabama's A game for this one, and that's not good news for Vanderbilt. I like Alabama to win this one by three touchdowns or more. Sure. tend to agree with you here. Kyle Schirmer, of course, the son of former NFL head coach and now uh, uh, Minnesota Vikings coordinator Pat Shermer. And it's one, of course, to, to uh, I think a lot of people still are thinking that Vanderbilt's got a real shot here. But as you laid out, I agree with you. But we will be honed in uh, Mississippi State and Georgia, Alabama, Vanderbilt, the two big ones in the SEC this week. Strongest steel is always big for you. Great to have you along. 646-668-2248. That's how you get a hold of us. Let's think Pac-12 and our man Mark from New York has that on his mind as we welcome him to Strongest Steel today. What's going on, Mark? How you doing? Good afternoon, gentlemen. I find it hard to believe we're already walking into week four of college football. I feel like it's going by too fast. But uh, just wanted to bring up this Utah and Arizona game. Yeah, you look at the lines, about three and a half uh, in favor of Utah. You know, I look at Utah, their typical, you know, Kyle Winningham defense, they're allowing about 2.1 yards per rush. We all know that defense travels. You know, at first I wasn't really too sure about Huntley, but I think he's been looking really good. And I just feel that Winningham, a little bit more knowledgeable, has a better game plan than Rodriguez. Just kind of feel like Utah is going to carry it. Just wondering what you guys think. Thanks a lot. All right, appreciate the call, Mark. And, uh, you know, I think you found a real under-the-radar team in this Utah squad. You go back to the BYU game. They only won it 19-13, and you're thinking that's not that impressive. But in reality, 
they probably could have won that thing by 24 to 30 points. They dominated the game at a 432-33 yard edge. BYU got a couple of late scores. I had question marks coming into the season because anytime you go from that conservative run game that Utah has been running to a wide open pass attack, which they have this year, and Huntley's thrown the ball 111 times the first three games, uh, then generally your defense is going to weaken because they're on the field a lot more. But that defense, as you correctly pointed out, has not. 48 yards rushing per game, 1.6 yards per carry, 49.5% completions. And offensively, coaches love Tyler Huntley. I mean, he's a guy that is the perfect fit for their new system that their offense coordinator brought over from Eastern Washington. So I think you have a more potent Utah offense and an outstanding defense. I will say this, Brandon Dawkins, remember last year he started out the year pretty good, then he got injured, and he was never really the same once he came back. Dawkins having a pretty good year, hitting 67% of his passes with a 4-0 ratio. And, you know, statistically, Arizona playing okay, outgaining opponents by 101 yards per game. But I think Utah is the better team. And we've seen teams go into Arizona and get victories before. And uh, I think this is going to be another one of them. I think Utah's probably a better team than Houston. Houston went into Arizona and won. I like Utah to go on the road and get that win as well. Appreciate the call, Mark. Yeah, good stuff, Mark, as we uh, initiate the Pac-12 today. Phil, I'm with you on that. Uh, really like Cal Whittingham, uh, number one. And I uh, I think the seats just continue to get warmer for Rich Rodriguez and his Arizona Wildcats. Uh, you guys are always warm with us. We really appreciate uh, how you roll each and every time we get together on Strong as Steel. As we said, not just a Power Five. If you'd like, um, if you'd like anyone from the Group of Five, go ahead. Let's uh, let's lay it out and let's roll with it. And with that in mind, uh, let's go to the uh, the state of Arkansas, where uh, we've got uh, we maybe got some Group of Five uh, happenings right here. Here's Josh as we welcome him. The strongest steel. How you doing today, Josh? Welcome. Hey, I'm doing fantastic, guys. Thanks again, and uh, hope you guys are having a great day. I just wanted to talk about this non-conference matchup regarding Ball State and Western Kentucky this week. I know the line opened at nine and a half. It's already down to seven and a half or eight at some shops. And kind of my thoughts on this is we can clearly see Western Kentucky is missing their old coaching regime. Their offense hasn't been nearly explosive, only averaging 20 points per game this year. Their quarterback only has one touchdown pass through the first three games after throwing 37 touchdowns last year. Uh, They're off a huge emotional last-second field goal loss against Louisiana Tech, which that, of course, has developed into a bit of a Conference USA rivalry as well. Ball State, to me, has looked really impressive. They beat UAB by 20. They had a close loss against Illinois. Uh, Their quarterback, Neal, is very accurate, completing 68% this year with a 6-3 ratio. And they've actually run the ball well compared to uh, what we've been able to say about Ball State in years past. And their defense has impressed me compared to the – uh, the performances we've seen last year on, and the year before in Ball State. So I like Ball State to keep this game close. I think they can go toe-to-toe with Western Kentucky. I think Western Kentucky is still kind of getting some uh, respect based on who they were the last couple of years with their uh, extremely high-powered offense. And so I would just love your guys' thoughts. Uh, thanks again for taking my call. And, again, I really appreciate all you guys do and uh, just absolutely love your work, Phil. Can't say it enough. So thanks again. I appreciate that, Josh. Appreciate it a lot. And, uh, you know, I think you hit on a lot of the points that I would have hit on. Uh, I'll just bring up a couple of more points <laughs> yes, to strengthen, <laughs> to strengthen, yeah, to strengthen, uh, though, what you were, what you were saying. Uh, first of all, both teams have played Illinois this year. And, uh, you look at how they played. Western Kentucky got outgained 300 to 244 
lost the game by 13. Ball State actually went into Illinois, had a 375 to 216 yard edge. So if you just look at the Illinois game, Ball State played Illinois a lot better. I thought they deserved to beat Illinois. West Kentucky came up with the loss. Another one is uh, you pointed out how the the average, uh, you know, the total offensive averages dropped from 46 points per game to 20. But last year, they actually outdid uh, their opponent averages by 108 yards per game. So if you come in allowing 300 yards per game, they're going to get 408 off you. If you come in allowing 400 yards per game, they're going to get 508 off you. Well, the difference this year, drastic. They are actually averaging 165 yards per game below their opponent's averages. So, you know, you look at the Illinois game, they only had 244 yards in that game. That's about uh, an Illinois team giving up 400 yards per game. So the, that's huge difference on the offense. And for all the, mention, the things that you mentioned as well, Josh, I do think Ball State's got a potential for the upset, and uh, West Kentucky barely gets fast in this one if they win it. Appreciate the call. Yeah, good stuff there. And uh, remember during our, our previews, uh, Phil, how we went over, um, uh, Mike knew that uh, that one time a MAC quarterback of the year and uh, back in his playing days, how uh, how high he was on his six foot six quarterback Riley Neal, right? And Neal has come out and done a very nice job. So we'll we'll keep an eye and see if they, he can keep that offensive flow going against Western Kentucky. Glad that you got the flow going. And we, look, football's here, right? I mean, football is here. Uh, both uh, the college football variety and the National Football League. And we get asked all the time, Phil and I, what's the, the best, most efficient way to buy tickets for all the uh, the college football and the NFL I'd like to see. And I even add in whether it's uh, concerts, comedy, theater, too. Got to be our friends at SeatGeek. That's right, SeatGeek. They're the smartest, easiest, most uh, very effective way to get the seats you want. And there's the key, the seats that you want. You let SeatGeek know, and their seamless mobile experience allows you to buy or sell tickets to uh, the events like uh, college football and the NFL with just a couple of taps on your mobile device, and it's fully guaranteed. You can see your favorite team, maybe your musician favorite, comedian favorite, and you instantly find the seats. And like I've done, uh, not only to see concerts, but uh, also to see football this year, NFL variety. You can do it, too. Make SeatGeek your go-to app. It'll save you time and money on every type of ticket. As I said, sports, but concerts, comedy, theater, you save time and you save money, and that's the very best part of your SeatGeek experience. Another terrific part, you are a strong as steel listener, and we are prepared, Phil and I, with our good friends at SeatGeek, to get you 20 bucks off. That's right, $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you got to do is download the SeatGeek app, all right? Go to your app store, download it, enter the promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E. You get 20 bucks off, just that simple be front and center at everything you want to see. College football, NFL, it's here. Make sure you do it the best way. Go to that SeatGeek app right now. It's got to be SeatGeek. Great to have all of you along I here. I got a question for you, Michael. With... Yeah, go ahead, buddy. I want to ask you about a MAC game this week. Get your opinion on it. you got Ohio U against okay. Eastern Michigan. Eastern Michigan, a slight favorite. Mm. What does Mr. Mack say about that game? <laughs> Well, I'm calling this week, uh, speaking of apps, uh, all over the Watch ESPN app, uh, you can get with a 3.30 kickoff. I'm calling the Miami Redhawks at, uh, at Central Michigan, which I'm really looking forward to. But since you asked me 
about uh, Ohio and Eastern Michigan. Phil, I think this is going to be, you know, it's one of those crossovers, Mac East versus Mac West. Ohio was picked, as we know, to, uh, and I, you and I picked them, to win uh, the Mac East under Frank Solich. And, you know, listen, they're coming off a, a big, big win over Kansas last week. Their offense uh, almost put up half a hundred in real high gear. They got uh, their running back, A.J. Olette, back, who is a, uh, certainly a, a MAC uh, first team and player of the year candidate. He missed all of last year. And right now, that offense, Frank Solich has got it humming. I know they stubbed their toes two weeks ago at Purdue, as uh, we talked about. But uh, And the thing about Solich, too, Phil, and everybody, is that they, he has a, a long standing resume of being able to go in and win on the road. And they got to go to Ryan Earson Stadium in Ypsilanti. And I'll tell you what, is anybody, Phil, doing as good at night? There are, but I mean, Chris Creighton, the head coach of Eastern Michigan, who got him to seven wins in a bowl game last year, is off to uh, the uh, the 2-0 start. They, of course, went on the road and beat Rutgers a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, you know, that's a road win over a Power Five, even though Rutgers is uh, still trying to find their way in the Big Ten. But this is a football team with Brogan Roback, that quarterback that is real. He's got five different receivers, filled that he's spreading the football to equally. Their run game is, is balanced. It's strong. They're at home. I got to tell I favor Eastern Michigan a little bit in this one, Phil, even though I just said that nobody wins down through the years as consistently in big games on the road in the MAC as Frank Solich. I think Rhinearson Stadium, the factory they call it, is going to be rolling. And I give a, a slight little tilt there to, uh, to Eastern Michigan in this one. What about you? So you're going with the great turf, huh? Yeah, the the factory man. They come out and they bring out sledgehammers <laughs> and they break up they break up concrete and boulders there. So now, but really like the job Chris Creighton is doing, and and Frank Solich, as you said, you know, of course coaches. But I know even in our uh, our Mac uh, our Mac preview that we. Uh, we carried on ESPN uh, this year, you know, before the season started. Frank Solich was talking glowingly then about Chris Creighton and the job he's doing at Eastern Michigan. And now uh, here it is in the MAC opener. He's got to go see him. So, um, yeah, it should be fun. You, you you got a slight lean either way there? I do. I, I'm going the opposite way there, Michael. I'm just leaning with uh, Ohio U to come out of there with a, a close win. I think it's going to be a hard-fought contest. But uh, when I look at Ohio, I think that they're – to me, one of the best teams in the MAC. I don't think they're quite up there with Toledo yet this year, but uh, I'd put them on the field and, and with their coaching staff, take them with anybody else as well. And last year's game, I got the feeling, oh, how you sort of went into it expecting to win, you know, one of those games where maybe they didn't take Eastern at the full card coming in. It was at home, and they ended up getting beat at home. I think they will be full focus for this one. And very impressed with their, their game last week against Kansas. I know Purdue beat them pretty bad, but this uh, that's a pretty special Purdue team this year, I think. So uh, I'm going to lean with Ohio, and we'll, we'll put a root beer on that one, Michael. Yes, I love it. Phil, take Ohio, and I'll take uh, Eastern Michigan in that one. And, uh, you know, you can imagine, though, that uh, it, I, I think, Phil, though, the point you made, though, I, I think uh, Frank Solich is going to have his boys remembering what transpired when Eastern Michigan went to Peden Stadium last year and won. 
You guys are always a winner because you're with us on Strongest Steel. We'll break down uh, every game that uh, you'd like us to assess. We'll keep going here, 646-668-2248. We really appreciate uh, your involvement. In a couple of minutes here, we're going to get you rolling on Twitter as well with our producer, Jim Nabosna. But let's get back at it. Uh, let us uh, head into uh, the great state of New York. As always, it wouldn't be a... And an uh, episode of Strong as Steel without our man John checking in. And uh, some thoughts on uh, one of those uh, group of five battles today. How you doing on Saturday? How you doing, John? I'm doing great. Good afternoon, guys. Great show as usual. I just wanted to get, a, get your opinion. How do you think Navy's going to do this week against a Cincinnati team that has been playing better than expected this year? Yeah, and, you know, Navy is uh, off a bye, so they've got a, a nice little advantage there. It'll be nice and fresh, and you take a look at how they've done so far this year. You know, the Florida Atlantic game was one where it was close for a while, and then big plays just blew it open. The Tulane game was one where they struggled to win. In fact, they were uh, that game was nip and tuck all the way. But remember, Tulane runs the option. So generally when teams run the option, they're very good at defending the option now. Fickle did take on the option a couple times when he was at Ohio State against Navy, so it's not like he's completely unfamiliar with it. But it's uh, it's going to be a tougher matchup for them. Now, last week they were down against Miami, but they had blown some opportunities. They actually finished with a 21-14 first down in the game. The interception returned for a touchdown with about a minute to go, winning at one form 21-17. And I was impressed with what I saw in their battle against Michigan. Remember, that was 17-14 late third quarter. So I'm, I'm dismissing the offense. Austin P game where they sort of had a rough opening. They've played very good football the last two weeks. Uh, Hayden Moore only hitting 50% of his passes. They're going to have to improve that. But the key is how do they stop the Navy option? And, you know, you look at last year, for example, uh, they did not face an option team last year. And so uh, it, it'll be, that's going to be the big component. I see Navy winning this game, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I believe they're about a two-touchdown favorite. I think Cincinnati can keep it a little bit closer than that. Appreciate the call, by the way, John. We appreciate the call. Yeah, absolutely, John. Phil and I uh, always loving to hear from John. A lot of you that uh, check in with us every week. Uh, that's cool. Keep it coming. And uh, let all your uh, your strongest steel college football friends know about us each and every week from uh, noon to 1 o'clock Eastern uh, here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. And also, please go to iTunes. You can get every episode we do as uh, you go to iTunes. All right, 646-668-2248. Let's uh, head to the state of Alabama. Uh, we already touched on the Alabama Crimson Tide, but uh, those UAB Blazers are back uh, playing FBS football again this year out of Conference USA. And here's our man Jake with some thoughts on the Blazers of Bill Clark. What's going on, Jake? Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How you doing? I remember in your Conference USA preseason preview, UAB had an over-under of 2.5 wins for the season. They're currently 2-1. and one. Are you surprised by this, or is it just where they expected to get the Blazer wins, this, this first little stretch? Uh, yeah, uh, personally, I think it's exactly where I thought they would be. I had them favored over Coastal Carolina and Alabama A&M and had them underdog to Ball State, so I had them 2-1 and one at this point. Oh, and let's uh, and so by the way, Jake, appreciate. It. Uh, uh, well, yeah, let's yeah, let's talk uh, about UAB's game this week. Yeah, let's right at North, at North I'll, Texas I'll this right week, right? Yeah, at North Texas. Go right you ahead. Know, North Texas. 
North Texas gave Iowa a great game last week. That thing, North Texas led 17-14 in the fourth quarter. Iowa scored a couple of late scores. Now, at the end of the game, Iowa was down at the two-yard line. I think there was a couple people out there rooting for Iowa to score another touchdown, uh, but they did not. But still, I thought North Texas played them a lot closer than the final score would indicate. Previous week, they were waxed by SMU, but uh, it is an established North Texas team. They're at home. This is a team that was in a bowl game last year, so they're uh, – you know, they're, they've got the advantage of having those bowl practices from last season. So I, I do think North Texas is the stronger team, but I tell you what, Bill Clark has got that team playing well. And A.J. Erdley hitting 57% of his passes so far this year. Spencer Brown has emerged at running back. He's averaged 6.1 yards per carry. And how about that defense? Now, I know they held Alabama A&M to about 183 yards, but uh, so that brings their average down below 200 yards per game. But uh, I still think they're playing good D. So Bill Clark was a magician his first year at UAB. We'll see how he does once he enters uh, CUSA play. I favor North Texas, but I think UAB keeps it closer than expected here. Appreciate the call, Jake. And maybe they're going to go over that two and a half, Phil, right? I mean, as you said, you had them at two and one. I remember that when we were doing our CUSA preview. But, uh, hey, I mean, there's a shot they could win a football game or two in Conference oh, USA. They, uh, the way they Clark host, has them playing. They host right? UTEP. Yeah, they host UTEP at the end of the year, and UTEP is uh, getting smashed by everybody. They also play Charlotte on the road, which would be a possibility. And uh, I don't think, you know, there are some definitely winnable games on their schedule this year. So if I was to bet two and a half right now, Michael, sure, I would take the over right now. (laughs) You take that over. Yes, sir. Uh, with you as well. Hey, we told you we, we on Twitter. Now, I want you to load it up on Twitter here in just a minute here. We're going to be checking in with our producer, Jim Nabosna, who always does a fantastic job laying out our show, and he handles all of our social media with you. So, again, it's Phil Steele 042, at Phil Steele 042, at Michael Regai, at Jim Nabosna, uh, N-A-B-O-Z-N-A, and away we go. Phil, uh, before we get to Twitter, though, man, I, I don't know if you uh, – speaking of Twitter, uh, uh, this weekend, past weekend, I uh, was in some conversations. Uh, listen, Dabo Swinney, Phil Steele, Dabo Swinney. I mean, the uh, you know, the prevailing thought is, well, you know, uh, Nick Saban and Urban Meyer are the top two head coaches with the top two programs in college football. Can I borrow from our buddy uh, Lee Corso, Phil? What does Lee say a lot? Not so fast, my friend. How about Clemson last week, Phil? Just resounding thrashing over Lamar Jackson and Louisville. Uh, 47 to 21. Uh, went into Louisville and thrashed them. Uh, they got Boston College this week who got bounced, uh, of course, as we know, by Notre Dame. I mean, but Phil, to me, and I like your thoughts on this, to me, uh, Dabo Sweeney is a, he's stalking Nick Saban. Uh, I believe right now his program is 2 and 0. 2 and 0 against Ohio State head to head. So he's going to go in the last three years. So to me, Dabo Sweeney is starting to make that ascent with his program right there. He's 1 and 1 against Saban, as we know, 2 and 0 against Meyer the last three years. Uh, this is, and, um, you know, ultra-strong program he's got. Uh, we didn't think there was going to be a lot of drop-off, Phil, with, with Kelly Bryant. I know they got to go to Vatech next week, and, of course, we'll discuss uh, all of that. Business first is against the B.C. Eagles. But, uh, Phil, uh, give everybody your overall thoughts, uh, as I just did, about uh, Dabo Swinney, where he has his Clemson program right now today in the college football landscape. 
Yeah, all you do is take a look at the last two years defensively. I mean, they returned three starters on defense two years ago, and I thought, well, you know, Clemson had a great defense in 2014, but they're definitely going to slip in 15 with only three starters back. Boom, they were just as good, if not better. Then the next year, they returned just four starters on defense. Well, they lose so many guys to the NFL. And what's the thing about Urban Meyer and Nick Saban? The reloading part. Well, here it was. They did it again on defense. This year, they got seven starters back on defense. That looks like the best damn defense in the country. And offensively, they mm-hmm. lose their quarterback, their top running back, their top receiver, and their top tight end. And all those guys are in the NFL. And what happens? Their offense is pretty close to last year. So uh, that just goes back to the rebuilding, reloading, not rebuilding, reloading that he has done. And, uh, yeah, I think he's done a tremendous job uh, with the program. Here's another couple of stats for you. Clemson offensively is averaging 203 yards per game, more than what their opponents allow. That's 11th best in the country. And defensively, they are holding foes to 265 yards per game, less than what they normally gain. So if you come in averaging 465 yards per game on offense, they're going to hold you to 200. Now, that's an incredible job on the defense. That's the second-best unit in the country and in that category. Yeah, and listen, and when, what, that, that was a complete demolition last week uh, against, uh, against Louisville. They, I don't know if you play a better football game on a road in that kind of setting. Uh, so as we said, now we'll see what Lane Stadium, that's next week, though. That's on September 30th, BC's Eagles uh, against uh, the Clemson this week. But, Phil, you know, as I said, I mean, you look at it in the last three years, in two national championship games and a semi, Dabo Swinney and Clemson, uh, I mean, they're, they're two and one against Alabama and Ohio State, three and one if you include the first bowl game three years ago against Ohio State. So listen to me, I, I, hey, I, I put him right there with those two programs. And, you know, you can make a case that uh, before it's all said and done, he might elevate over both of them. Yep. Let's hit some games, Michael. I'm sorry? Let's get some games. Let's hit some games, Michael. We've got plenty of games. Hey, how about we're going to do some games on uh, with our producer, Jim Nabosna. Jimmy uh, is all set to go uh, on Twitter again. Uh, you can. We love social media. Get to it uh, uh, each and every week here on Strongest Steel. Jim Nabosna, welcome. And well, what do we have in the, uh, the world of the Twitter this week for Strongest Steel? We will kick it off with at Mike Torres, and Mike says the Air Force line opened at plus six, and it appears to have dropped to three. What are your thoughts on their showdown versus San Diego State? You know, first of all, when you look at those opening lines, they're very easily adjustable, and that's just basically somebody spitballing, throwing a number out there, and they can get moved within an hour, hour and a half. It doesn't mean a lot of money is pouring in on the game. First number, I, you know, when I looked at it, I started looking maybe at, at the evening on Sunday, and it was pretty much around three and a half. So the line has not really moved that much. Now, you had to be impressed with Air Force last week against Michigan. That's a pretty powerful Michigan team. They were standing toe-to-toe with them down by three uh, late in the game. And uh, Michigan, of course, got the interception return for a touchdown. A lot of field goals and then one offensive touchdown during the course of the game. So impressed with the defense and impressed with the way they moved the ball in the very good Michigan defense. But here's the thing, uh, that Michigan uh, doesn't face the option very often. Rocky Long does face the option very often. I mean, he's got a very good San Diego State team 
one that's uh, holding their opponents to 183 yards per game below their season average. They held Stanford last week to 238 yards. That's impressive. And if you look at his five matchups with Air Force while he's been at San Diego State, 5-0, and generally holds him about 100 yards per game below their season average. Go back to his days at New Mexico. Whenever he ran into the option, they were able to stop it. So that's a matchup I like best here is San Diego State, Rocky Long with his defense, going against the option offense. I think he'll do a good job there. And I've been impressed. I mean, Rashad Penny has filled in great at running back. He's only got 588 yards so far and 8.3 yards per carry. And Christian Chapman has kept defenses honest. He's hitting 68% of his passes with a 4-1 ratio. So this is a complete San Diego State team, and I think they'll do well against the option this week. I'm going to go with the Aztecs in that one. Mention the uh, Air Force Michigan game, which leads us right into the next question. At T. Quinn asks, with how poor Michigan's offense has been these past two weeks, Purdue at plus 10 looks like a great pick this weekend. Am I missing something, or is Purdue's defense weaker than I imagined? Uh, no, Purdue is actually, I mean, you go back to the job that Jeff Prom is doing. It's it's almost phenomenal. We talked about it earlier when we talked about Western Kentucky. They've gone from averaging 46 points per game when Brown was in control to just 20 points per game this year. And they just flat out throttled Missouri last week. Now, I was using Purdue as an, an upset play last week and I came in a little nervous. So you're naturally, you're nervous going on the road. You have a team that hasn't had a winning record in quite some time. Uh, let me tell you, at the end of the first quarter, I was comfortable. That was definitely going to be a win. Their defense held Purdue or Missouri to 203 yards. Offensively, they put up 477, and that game could have been a lot worse than the final score actually was. So I think this is an underrated Purdue team. Go back to that Ohio game. I mean, they just pounded Ohio, and as you've heard earlier in the podcast, uh, Michael and I have great respect for what Ohio is this year. And against Louisville, that's a game where they were leading in the fourth quarter against Louisville at home, and nobody was giving them a chance. They were like a four-touchdown underdog in that game. So I, I think Brom's doing a great job. Michigan's offense is struggling with spade a quarterback. And uh, I think when you add it all up, Purdue does give them a battle this week and keeps this much closer than expected. Agree with you 100%. At JT23, he sees a late night Saturday, uh, a late Saturday night game. He says, "I don't see Arizona State's defense slowing down Oregon, but can the Sun Devils' offense keep it close by turning this game into a shootout?" I think they will be able to. Now, as you know, at the start of the year, I was very high on Oregon. Had my number three most improved team in the country. I actually put them on my surprise team list, which is a dark horse national title contender. And got beat up a little bit about that in the preseason because they were only 4-8 and eight last year. How can you put the Ducks up there? And they're playing pretty good right now. Royce Freeman looks like Royce Freeman. I tell you what, he would have got more preseason publicity had he topped 1,000 yards last year. He missed a couple of games. He finished with 945. So everybody just dismissed him. This year, in three games, he's rushed for 460 yards, 5.6 yards per carry. And, Michael, he's the type of guy that you and I like to watch. He is a powerful running back that does have a burst but he'll he likes to run people over and that's that's a nice plus for him justin herbert's doing great at qb at 72 percent of the 5-2 ratio and the most improved unit on the team the defense now here's something when i talked to coach taggart in the off season and we were going over the team he said the one area they were at their weakest was the fact that they mostly speed trained last year and this year he was going to bring back that strength training and they look a lot tougher up front they're giving up just 3.3 yards per carry 108 yards rushing per game they've got 
got 10 sacks by the defense. They're actually playing some defense this year with Jim Leavitt as a, the defensive coordinator. So very bullish on Oregon. But I'll say this. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. This is a desperate Arizona State team at home. And Arizona State showed me something last week. So many times under Todd Graham, they've gotten in games where they got down, and then you just sort of see them wave the white flag and give it up. Well, they were down big to Texas Tech last week. But they rallied back and made a 45-45 on the road against I know Tech didn't have a great record last year, but they're a good team against a good Texas Tech team and uh, ended up giving up a late touchdown and losing that game by seven. So I was impressed with the comeback last week. Manny Wilkins has a 7-0 ratio. He's hitting 66% of his passes. And Demario Richards, the guy who missed the first couple of games, got his feet back wet last week coming back from injury. He'll be close to 100% along with Balazs. So they've got the weapons, I think, to uh, keep it. Right now, there's a little bit of an overreaction, I think, with Oregon being favored by 15 or 16 points on the road, so I think Arizona State keeps it closer than expected. Appreciate the tweet. At Gibbon 66 says, Lane Kiffin and Florida Atlantic face a gritty Buffalo team this weekend. Were you surprised to see FAU as underdogs, and will they come out of this game with a win? Uh, probably was a little surprised to see him as an underdog coming in. I know the Navy game was not good, but they played well against Wisconsin. And then that, you know, Bethune-Cookman team that we talked about earlier. Remember I said Miami of Florida struggled with them. They had a 619 to 117 yard edge against Bethune-Cookman. So this is a Florida Atlantic team uh, with Kendall Bryles as the offensive coordinator, Daniel Parr doing okay at the quarterback spot. The defense has played a lot better since that Navy game. And, you know, you look at their raw stats, the 5.4 yards per carry. Guys, if you any team played Navy and Wisconsin, uh, they would be giving up those type of rush numbers. But here, taking on uh, a team like Buffalo, I don't think you're going to see Buffalo get anywhere near those type of rush numbers. Now, Buffalo's got Tyree Jackson, a big boy at quarterback. He's hitting... 54%. He's the team's leading rusher. Uh, and they are averaging 4.6 yards per carry. But against Minnesota, they only had 51 yards, and, and uh, most of that came against Colgate last week. So I, th- I think Florida Atlantic's going to give it. I, I like uh, that. I think that when you look at Leipold, you know, he's he's doing okay. They gave Army quite a battle. They gave Minnesota a battle, and they beat Colgate, so they're playing well. They're at home. They need this one. But uh, I think Florida Atlantic's probably a little bit more talented team. I'd be interested to get Michael's take on that, Mr. Mack himself. <laughs> you keep billing me as that. I appreciate it. Uh, I like Florida Atlantic here. I, uh, I do, there's growth and development that's still got to go on with, uh, as you mentioned, Lance Leipold and his Buffalo program playing a lot of young kids uh, this year after playing uh, more uh, veterans that were holdovers from uh, Jeff Quinn's program. So I like Florida Atlantic, and I think Lane Kiffin may start to show you his, his squad is on the ascent uh, Strongest deal. We're always on the ascent with you. Hey, Phil, what you, uh, when you were breaking down, I uh, was intrigued by you breaking down uh, Purdue and Michigan. Are you calling for an outright Purdue upset win at home? No. No, I'm not. I'm just calling for Purdue okay. to keep it closer than expected. Gotcha. Yeah, I think uh, I'm with you on that. Uh, Jeff Brom's doing a terrific job there. Uh, You guys are doing a terrific job. Thanks so much for everything uh, on the Twitter. As we said, social media, very, very important to us. Jim Nabosna does a a terrific job with that, and you keep that coming each and every week here on Strong as Steel. We're in the fourth quarter of today's show, so uh, let's pick up the pace and get moving here. The fourth ranked. Penn State Nittany Lions 
Gotta go to Iowa City uh, at night. James Franklin squad, though, they're formidable. Phil, they just drilled Georgia State last week, 56-zip. Now they do go to Kinnick Stadium. Kirk Ferentz's squad, there they are, 3-0. and Got that hot quarterback in Nathan Stanley, 10 TD passes. My Heisman winner, Phil, I stepped out of the quarterback thing. You know, I'm going with Saquon Barkley. Uh, he pedestrian last week, only uh, 10 carries at 47 yards, but he is averaging 8.1 yards per carry. He did have four re- Did you see that last week? Phil, four receptions for Barkley for 142 yards. Trace McSorley, nine TDs to a couple of picks. Phil, is this, you know, we talked about Michigan-Purdue. Is Kinnick Stadium a danger spot, though, this Saturday night for James Franklin's squad to stay unbeaten? Uh, it's danger spot, but I like Penn State to come out of here with uh, a double-digit win. I'll say that. And when I look at the game, you know, you look at what Iowa is taking on. Offensively, they're putting up 33 points per game, nearly 400 yards per game so far this year. But they have taken on the defenses of Wyoming, Iowa State, and North Texas. And all three of those units rank in my bottom 25 defenses in the country, bottom 30 defenses, I should say. Penn State comes in with my number nine rated defense. In fact, my power ratings are saying Iowa's 33 points per game turns into 15 points in this one, less than half of what they come in averaging, just because of the big step up that they have in level of competition that they're taking on. Now, on the flip side of the coin, you know, Iowa is uh, playing well. I, I love their linebacking core. They've got some solid players up front. They did give up 467 yards to Iowa State. You look at uh, what they did against Wyoming, it wasn't that special. North Texas they played good against, but uh, I think Penn State with Barkley, and you know, you touched on his rushing stats, 8.1 yards per carry. He's also got 241 yards receiving, 21.9 per catch. So he is a guy that's putting up the big numbers. McSorley can hurt you. Uh, I think Penn State, which last year uh, sort of took Iowa behind the woodshed a little bit, 41-14 to 14 at home. I know Iowa's going to be thinking payback, thinking night, thinking upset like they did against Michigan, but I think Penn State's a better team and gets this one on the road. All right. You know, every time we talk about Penn State, Phil, I always uh, chuckle, and rightfully so, because you always point out, though, uh, coming up uh, in late October, the back-to-back weeks, Michigan at home, and what will be a whiteout on a Saturday night in Happy Valley, and then the trip to Columbus against Ohio State. Right now, if I ask you, does Penn State win at least one of those football games, if not both of them? What would you say? I say they beat Michigan at home in whiteout conditions. I think they're the more complete team. In fact, right now, Michael, if I was to say if there were all the Big Ten teams went on the field at the same time, who would I favor over everybody else in a neutral field? I would take Penn State right now. I think they're the most complete team. But I do not think they're going to win the Big Ten because of what you just said. They have to host Michigan, whiteout conditions, play your A-plus game, and then not only go on the road next week to Columbus, a team that's anxious for revenge, Ohio State's fresh off a bye. What kind of scheduling advantage is that? Uh, And I think Ohio State's offense will be playing with a lot more confidence by the time they get to midseason. It's going to be a lot of fun those final couple weeks in the Big Ten. I know it's the Big Ten East, but, boy, will that have great impact on who represents the East in the Big Ten championship game. All right, speaking of the Big Ten, as we roll on here on Strong as Steel, the continuance of this uh, this rivalry that uh, has been at times huge on the national landscape. Brian Kelly brings his fighting Irish to Notre Dame off that big win at Chestnut Hill uh, against Boston College where they put 49 up. 
on the Eagles. Now they got to go to East Lansing and tangle with the Michigan State Spartans. And Brandon Wimbush, Phil, last week rushed for what? Went over 200 yards in that win on the ground. The quarterback of uh, Notre Dame. He's set a record in the Irish program. We know Michigan State off a bye. Their two wins. Trying to Mark D'Antonio trying to reignite the engine. Two wins are over Paramax squads. Bowling Green and Western Michigan. Phil, I can't wait to hear you uh, get into this one and analyze it. Uh, Notre Dame, are they capable of winning in Spartan Stadium? I think they are. I, th- I like the Irish to go in there and get the victory. I think when you look at the, the two teams this year, Michigan State's put up some great stats. I mean, beating Bowling Green like they did, they took on Western Michigan the week after Western had played USC. Maybe caught them in a little letdown spot, but they dominated that game more than the 28-14 to final. Brian Lewerke is actually their leading rusher, and I could have bet you some money prior to the season, Michael. There's no way you would have uh, bet that one because no. uh, he's never really been known no. as the running quarterback. And when you got L.J. Scott in the backfield, uh, L.J.'s only averaging 3.8 yards per carry. Lewerke 8.8 this year, so that's a little bit of a stunner. Their defense playing extremely well, uh, you know, holding the two MAC teams, but I think Notre Dame's a, a little bit more talented than they are coming into the season. So I don't think it's going to be easy. Uh, but I do think the Irish go on the road and uh, and get the win in that one. Yep, I'm with you there, no question about it. And then the following next two weeks after that in Big Ten play, Mark D'Antonio, regardless of what happens, you know, win lose, he's uh, got Iowa and then uh, their first trip of the year going to Ann Arbor against Michigan. So interesting three weeks here for Mark D'Antonio and Michigan State. Strongest steel is always interesting. We know that for you. Great to have you along. Six four six 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 eight. 2248. He's Phil Steele. I'm Michael Regai. Our producer is uh, Jim Nabosna. Let's uh, head into the uh, the state of New Jersey and check in with our man Moody, who uh, wants to look at a, a group of five game this weekend. Hi, Moody. Welcome to the show. Hey, hi. How you doing, man? Um, I want to look into the Army Tulane game. I usually play like the Academy games, Army Navy. I usually play. The total to the under because it's similar style, and um I think Tulane has a similar style as as Army or the Academy schools one of the similar option style as Navy, and I'm looking to play the under in that game. I want to know what you guys think. All right, Moody, appreciate the call. And you know, like I say every week, Michael, I think that our callers are extremely intelligent uh, folks. Oh, yeah. And once again. Yep. Uh, Moody just hit it right on the head. Anytime the service academies play each other, um, my first reaction is play the under. Why? One of the advantages the option has is when you're an option team, the other team only has one week to prepare for you, and they cannot run the option at full speed. They've got some scout team quarterback that's probably a wide receiver trying to run the intricacies of the triple option against you. So usually what happens if you're not an option team and you take on an option team, you usually give up a touchdown or two in those first two series of the football game because it takes you a while to get up to speed. Well, if you're an option team, you're running against a full speed option in practice every week. That's an advantage to Second option, the second advantage you have is the fact that that clock just keeps running all game long. That three-yard run, clock don't stop. Four-yard run, clock doesn't stop. You get the first down, they start it back up, it gets rolling. So shrinks the, the game clock. You run an option against option. The defenses are not taken a surprise by it. There's not those early touchdowns given up. And look at Tulane against Navy. I think Navy's, Navy's got a little bit more high-potent offense than Army does, and I think that the total in that game was much higher than this week's was. That was 23-21, and they held Navy to 326 yards. They only had 262. It was 15-11 to 11 first downs. The score 
score of that game is a little misleading and the fact that normally when you get those type of yards, you're talking more about a 30, 35-point game than a 42-point game. So I'm 100% agree with you, Moody. I like the under in the Army-Tulane game. Total right now, 45, 46 out there. Great call once again. He was definitive on that, Phil Moody, right? He's not going to waver off that. There's no question about it. Ah, Good stuff from Moody. Love that. Let's go to the Big 12, Phil Steele. It's a top 25 matchup. The Cowboys of Oklahoma State, they are rolling. they got to head into Texas and see the the Frogs of TCU. Now, the Cowpokes, Phil, they just throttled Pitt. Throttled them. Put 57 up on them. Mason Rudolph just went wild. 11 touchdown throws and over 1,100 yards, Phil, and three wins for Mason Rudolph. Those Horned Frogs are also 3-0. Phil, they're moving up in the rankings. Put up 56 in their win over uh, SMU. Kenny Hill threw four TD passes. Uh, Phil, I'm starting to get more and more intrigued about this. I, I need to have you tell us where we should look at in this one to find the edge. Well, i tell you what, Michael. Uh, I'll say this. Last week on the uh, podcast, I believe I picked Pitt to keep that one close. And in hindsight, it's always easier in hindsight, isn't it, when you look at it after the game? Oh, I go yeah. back to Pitt's pass yeah. defense last year. Pitt's pass defense last year was horrendous. I mean, they gave up 330 yards per game. During the course of the season, uh, there were seven different games. They gave up over 350 yards per game passing. They just really cannot match up against the uh, the pass offenses because it's not like D'Antonio, or not D'Antonio, uh, Narduzzi had when he was at Michigan State. When he was mm-hmm. at Michigan State, he had a pair of lockdown corners and he had defensive linemen that were soon to be in the NFL that were pass rushing the quarterback. Well, he doesn't have that here, and his schemes aren't holding up as well, and Oklahoma State exploited that. Now, TCU's a different animal. Gary Patterson has perhaps the best defense in the Big 12, and he's got the linebacking core. He's got a veteran unit. Every year they're among the leaders in the Big 12 in total defense. And last year, their defense only twice all year gave up over 350 yards per game, and that's playing in the pass-happy Big 12. So I think you're going to see TCU's defense match up better in this one. And offensively, you touched on it. Kenny Hill doing well. As flashy as Oklahoma State has been, I mean, they're outgaining opponents by 274 yards per game. TCU's outgaining their opponents by 242 yards per game. And once again, look at the three defenses that uh, Oklahoma State's taken on. Tulsa, which we talked about earlier on defense, South Alabama, and Pitt. Now it's TCU, a different animal. TCU holding their opponents to 164 yards per game below their, or to 82 yards per game below their season average on the year. At the start of the year, Michael, I had these two very close in the power ratings. I still mm-hmm. do. And Oklahoma State's laying mm-hmm. about 13 and a half in this this game now. Everybody wants to bet Oklahoma State after that uh, big win over Pitt. I'm going to take the value. Sure. I'm going to go with the underdog here. Uh-huh. Nice. Nice. And I'm right with you as well. I like TCU to keep this one close. Although, uh, yeah, I, I think uh, Mason Rudolph ultimately hard to keep out of the end zone. We're inside the two minutes left in this edition of Strong is Steel. You guys have been terrific today, as always. Phil, let's go out to the Pac-12. We, we cannot go without getting your thoughts on don't look now. Don't look now, but that Justin Wilcox fella has his Cal Bears 3-0, and Phil Steele, with a couple of wins at North Carolina, and then the 27-16 win over Ole Miss. Uh, it lasts this Saturday night. Now, the, you know, I mean, uh, Ross Bowers' sophomore quarterback has looked real sharp. 
Um, defense got a pick six from Cameron Good last week. So now, Phil, it's the assignment against the Trojans QB Sam Darnold. Uh, seven TDs, but he's thrown six picks. It was that, uh, wasn't it that, that walk-on field goal kicker last week, Chase McGrath, who may have saved the season for USC, Phil. Uh, are they going to be able to, you know, say, whoo, we, we escaped there. They're going to face a difficult band of Cal Golden Bears this week. How do you see it? Uh, I like USC in this one, and uh, I think I, I like them to win by more than what Vegas thinks in this one as well. As much as good as Cal has been with that big big win over North Carolina on the road and the home win against Ole Miss, uh, that was a back and forth game. The Mississippi game was, and they were clinging to the lead when they got an interception return for a touchdown late. It wasn't like an eleven point beatdown. In fact, on the year, Cal's actually being outgained by forty three yards per game, and they. You know, the the toughest team they took on was Ole Miss. North Carolina is not exactly an overwhelming ACC team this year. And their other opponent was Weber State. And those three teams combined have outgained Cal by 44 yards per game. And as unbeatable as USC looked two weeks ago, I think we might see that this week. Remember, they put a 623 to 342 yard edge on Stanford two weeks ago. And I, I think they repeat that, something like that this week. I like USC to get an easier than expected road win here. Okay, still going with uh, Sam Darnold and the Trojans with that prolific offense. All of this can be found. Uh, Phil, I know you're you're working hard, hardly a moment to rest with Inside the Press Box and uh, Phil Steele Plus. Keep that rolling. And uh, what about ESPN.com? Where are we going to find you there? Yeah, doing a bunch of going back to Bristol again tomorrow. So I'll be doing a bunch of, on Thursday, a bunch of sports centers and uh, sports centers on the weekend. So a lot of fun stuff. ESPN. Uh, dot com slash Phil Steele. I'll take you to ESPN Insider, get my college and NFL write-ups, also get my Vegas power ratings. A lot of good stuff up there. One thing I want to say, if you're an Inside the Press Box subscriber, I know it's been a slow start to the season. Believe me, I don't like to lose any games at all. It's been a very slow start to the season for the Inside the Press Box. We're going to get this thing turned around very quickly, and I think by the end of the year, you're going to be very pleased you got that subscription Inside the Press Box. So I'm saying hang in there. Play the games with confidence coming up in the future weeks. And, Michael, i got to cut out, but it was great doing the show again with you this podcast. Absolutely, buddy. Safe travels. We'll look for Phil Steele next week right here on Strongest Steel, and we'll do the same for each and every one of you. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, has uh, always got you at the forefront of his mind. We interact with you on social media, on Twitter, and, of course, you know you can ask us about any any game across uh, the FBS landscape, Power 5, Group of 5, we're on it with you. You are what makes this show. We appreciate your listenership. Make sure you go to iTunes as well as here on Blog Talk Radio. You can get to any episode that you may have missed. So that's going to do it for us. Hope you have a wonderful college football weekend, everybody. Hope that uh, the games of interest to you and your teams go just the way you want them. For our producer, Jim Nabosna, for Phil Steele, I'm Michael Regai. You've been tremendous. See you next time, everyone, on our next edition of Strong as Steel. Till then, so long.